Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, Zach Osterman here, IU Insider, Indianapolis Star. It is Thursday, December 8th, 2022. Happy birthday, Mom. Um, I'm here with Chronic Hoosier. Chronic, uh, we're, we're going to try to cover a lot of ground in a short space of time today. Uh, a little Rutgers, we haven't podcasted since Rutgers, a little Nebraska, which obviously happened last night, and then set the stage at least a little bit if we can for um, uh, uh, Arizona. Arizona, you can tell I was up late, uh, Wednesday night into Thursday morning, riding after Trace Jackson Davis's triple double performance against the Cornhuskers. Let's start at the beginning. Let's start with Rutgers. Um, you know, there's there's kind of two sides to this coin. And, and as always with December basketball, it will only be contextualized by what we see in February and March. You have to be allowed the bad game, the odd bad game. And, and as I wrote after the Rutgers game, go look who has lost in that building in the last three years. It's basically everyone of consequence in the Big Ten at least once, if not multiple times. Um, it's become a genuinely tough place to play. Steve Peichel's a good coach. And they were a, a decent matchup with the way they defend for Indiana. On the other hand, I think Indiana fans and, and maybe, you know, the frustration of Indiana players um, was understandable in insofar as how familiar it looked to some of the dud performances we've seen from Indiana on the road in the Big Ten. And I think that's where you kind of come back to, well, let's let's go back on Valentine's day and see what the Rutgers game looks like in the context of the rest of the season. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, this, I, th- I think for a lot of Indiana fans, what you saw in Piscataway was kind of the bugaboo that has plagued Indiana for, for much of Trace Jackson Davis's career here in Bloomington. Uh, and that's been, you know, uh, lack of a, a supporting cast that's capable of shooting the basketball. And we've seen how it allows defenses to, uh, to cheat, um, and double down on him, knowing that there's not a lot of perimeter threat. So uh, that was the perfect storm for for just that um, against Rutgers, and they executed it well. Uh, I think Woodson was was spot on when he he spoke about the team's lack of toughness. You know, it's going to be really difficult, no matter what your shooting percentage is, when you're getting out rebounded by you know a margin of what was that 15, 14, um, which is where I felt like Indiana really really yeah. excelled last night. I mean, like there was like a lot of sort of complain about the officiating and I get that when you, when you, you know, when you lose, you winners don't often complain about the officiating, whatever. There were some egregious calls, but I thought there was an extent to which to, you know, Rutgers, the offensive rebounding numbers. I mean, at one point Rutgers was averaging like an offensive rebound a minute in the first half. And that really kind of set the tone sort of for who was going to bring the energy. And Mike Woodson used the word toughness a lot in that game that can set a tone for officials too. You know, that they can sort of see like, hey, you know what? This is the team that's bringing the game. This is the team that is 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 the aggressor. So they're probably going to earn more calls. And like it or not, I get that you want games to be officiated in a vacuum, but they never will be. Indiana just didn't earn the right to play its game that day, I think, in a lot of ways. And it was really the big run comes in the second half. But I thought the first 15 minutes 
of the first half or where Indiana maybe lost that game from a, an intangible perspective. Yeah, you know, I felt like we saw that, honestly, uh, against North Carolina, uh, just with the shoe on the other foot that game. Um, those first five minutes and the, the tone that's set, um, it, it carries over. Uh, there's a reason coaches preach those first five minutes of the halves uh, as well as the final five. Um, but for Indiana, this was the first true road test. Uh, obviously, they came up short. Um, but, you know, that's it's one of those things where December losses – uh, on the road, while we tend to make a lot of it when you lose the undefeated record at the time, um, those can be positives uh, when you when you learn from the mistakes, when you grow from those. Uh, and obviously, we've got a lot, a lot of basketball left to play this season. Um, but with the way the schedule sets up for Indiana this year, and I will go to my grave uh, bemoaning these these two outlier Big Ten games in December. It is what it is. Um, but hopefully that that is a lesson that Indiana is going to be able to draw from uh, both in the near term uh, with the trip to the desert heading uh, this this Saturday and then the following uh, with another their second true road game in uh, in Lawrence at the fog. Uh, these are exactly the experiences that I think Woodson was hoping for his team uh, when he drew up this part of the schedule, quite frankly, because it's going to be an absolute grind. It seems like every week another team in the Big Ten emerges as a, uh, as a legitimate threat as a, uh, a tall challenge for Indiana going down the road. And uh, it just that you, you've got to find a way to pack your toughness, uh, pack your defense and, and hit the glass when you go on the road, Indiana didn't, and they took the L accordingly. Um, and I guess it is what it is. Uh, I don't want to make too much out of it, quite frankly, uh, because I kind of felt like that was going to happen uh, with this team. It seemed like one of those classic trap games coming off a very, very high emotional primetime win against Carolina. Um, with these marquee non-conference games left on the schedule, that was one of those where you just felt like it was going to be that type of night. Now, um, what continues to linger from that, though, I will say, uh, Xavier Johnson, uh, X was clearly off in, in Rutgers. Uh, that seemed to carry over into last night. So, uh, as well as Hood Shafino, for that matter, uh, in Indiana's backcourt. Uh, for all the promise they've shown, I think Rutgers showed just how uh, – how naked they can be when the guards aren't locked in and, and, and really giving them the best game. And uh, Indiana's going to have to figure out that, uh, that, that mix uh, going forward, especially if Fino is going to uh, continue to be unavailable. And uh, I'm still not sure what's going on with X, but it, it seems like something's going on with him either physically or, or otherwise uh, just not the same guy we've seen so far for most of the season this year. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting the, the Rutgers game in the sense that, like, they actually didn't defend very badly. Rutgers only scored 0.95 points per possession. Rutgers shot 41% on twos, 28.6% on threes. Um, they shot more free throws, but they still only made 68% of their free throws. Obviously, the the rebounding numbers were – the disparity was glaring, but Indiana was only something like, I think, minus three in second-chance points. Um and so this is one of those where, again, you, you wonder what the context will be in, you know, a month's time, two months' time. Indiana took 25 threes in that game. And I, th I think it's interesting. I noted this, and we can kind of use this to transition from um, – and I do want to talk about Xavier Johnson a little bit. We can use this to transition Rutgers to Nebraska. Indiana attempted 25 threes in each of its last two games. The last time Indiana attempted 25 threes in a Big Ten game before – Rutgers on Saturday, and again, they did it against Rutgers and they did it against Nebraska, was Iowa 
or no, excuse me, it was Nebraska in 2020, January, I think, 18th, 8th or 18th. It's in my game story for today, 2020. Um, I have been very much sort of team take more threes. Um, you know, just just that it that listen, there's gonna be nights like this, you know, where and again, like it's it's not this reducible, but if Indiana hits four more of those threes, that's a one possession game in the last minute. Um, and my argument for taking more threes is you're not gonna make them if you don't take them. And obviously you're more you're more likely to take them at home, but guess what? You turn around and yes, you played poorly at Rutgers, yes, you deserve to lose at Rutgers. You know, if you look at the win probability graph, the game was basically, according to Ken Pomeroy, the game was basically never in doubt the last eight, nine minutes. Um, It was actually, to be fair to Indiana, a little bit much more in the balance for about the first 30 minutes than I think a lot of us maybe felt watching it. And that that includes someone like me watching from a more objective perspective. Um, But it's okay if, and Mike Woodson got a little testy with, with a reporter last night asking about, sort of ball movement and shot quality in the Rutgers game. It's okay if you have a game every once in a while where for for all your other shortcomings, the shots just don't go in as long as you're willing to take them. And I thought a lot of Indiana's three-point attempts uh, in Piscataway were, were decent shots, and they just didn't go down. But they were willing to take them. And for all they struggled elsewhere, their turnover number was too high, you know, they uh, they got blocked like five times, which is an inordinate number for them. Um, obviously, the rebounding battle, et cetera. They did try in some ways to persist with their stuff in, in to an extent that we have not seen from Indiana um, in those road games where things started going wrong for them. They They just kind of abandoned their plan. And you could tell, and everybody sort of went in their own direction, and then the whole thing melted down. Uh, Indiana never abandoned its plan on Saturday. And then it came home, and it faced a Nebraska team that quietly, I'm not going to make this win out to be anything amazing, but Nebraska's Ken Palm top 100. Um, right now, Nebraska is actually a quad two win for in, for Indiana. And I don't know if that holds up, but given that Nebraska's six and four, but it's four losses are all high major losses. They're all the Ken Palm top 40 teams. Um, it has three high major wins, including the Creighton win on Sunday afternoon in Omaha. That Nebraska game at very least was a, a, a certain sort of litmus test for Indiana of can you bounce back against what's not a terrible team? And for them to win that game, hit 11 threes, Trace only scored 12, and we can talk about his triple-double in a second, but he only scored 12. Um, Xavier Johnson had four points on two of eight shooting with seven turnovers, and Indiana never trailed in that game. Um, That did feel like an important sort of pushback on the idea that Rutgers was just the same old Indiana kind of replaying the hits again. I I think the difference, um, because both those teams, obviously Rutgers uh, probably showed a blueprint for how you attack Indiana defensively uh, by junking it up, by, by really throwing everything at trace. I think what stood out to me in last night's game different than Saturday's game 
was, you know, I, I do agree with you on the, the volume of three point shots. I do think that you, you need to at least attempt them. Um, I think when, where, who, how they're attempted matters. Uh, because I think with Indiana, a lot of times in the past, when you've seen them uh, struggle in the post and they revert to uh, a three point shooting team, which was not in their, their nature necessarily, um, it was usually because things stopped moving, the ball stopped moving, guys stopped cutting off the ball. And I think what stood out last night is when the double team would come, uh, Trace was acutely aware of what, what to expect. Uh, I think you saw a lot of guys uh, astutely moving into those gaps inside the zone, almost like a wide receiver, finding the holes in it and making themselves available. Um, but the combination of, of, of Trace identifying where the outlet was, uh, but most importantly, guys moving to free themselves up, um, then the ball swings, then you get them in rotation, then you get the three-point shot. It's, it's the product of, of the motion of the movement rather than just the desperation of it. And I, I think when Indiana can get those types of, of three-point shots, uh, I, I think it tends to be far more effective in, in both knocking them down as well as just performing in rhythm. And I, I think with this team, um, that, that's been the big thing uh, so far this season with all these pieces, trying to figure out what the new rhythm is going to look like, how it's going to feel. And I thought last night uh, was probably the superlative example of getting the most guys in rhythm together at the same time, because uh, as, as much as they, they frustrated trace uh, down low, as much as Xavier struggled, continued to struggle uh, with his offense. Um, when other guys can step up uh, and hit those shots in rhythm it just breeds confidence across the floor. And I think that's, that's important, not just for the shooter, but for the passer knowing that, okay, if tomorrow's going to, going to be my outlet, it's okay. Um, you know, we, even if the shot clock is starting to expire, starting to get low, that's a good look for Indiana. And when you can get that second, third, fourth scoring options clicking on the same time, I think that's when you see Indiana at its most potent this season. Um, and I think that's going to, uh, if they can continue it, uh, that's going to be the big thing because they will continue to be tested in that very same manner. If they can continue to make teams pay uh, for treating Trace that way, I think it's going to make his life a whole lot easier and everybody else's because they're going to have to respect the perimeter. You're going to have to respect the driving lanes and teams are going to be a little less prone to, uh, to just completely collapsing on Trace and making everybody else beat him. Uh, but we'll see if that, uh, if that, if that is something sustainable, I will say for all the grief he got last year, uh, for all the grief I got early this year when I when I dapped him up for it, uh, Miller Cop continues to uh, to really shine right now uh, as that additional option on the floor, a real setting force, uh, a guy who's bringing far more than what I personally expect and I think a lot of fans expected from him thus far. And I'd probably throw tomorrow into that group, uh, maybe just not as consistent yet this season. Uh, but as I said last night, you get the sense that he's growing up before our very eyes this year, uh, stepping into that role as a scorer. I mean, like, Tamar Bates, and, and he's only had two games of double-figure scoring, but he's also had three more games of at least seven points, which for a bench player is, is pretty good. Um, you know, he, he didn't score a ton uh, against North Carolina. He wasn't really a factor against Xavier. He struggled at Rutgers. He was one of seven. But then he gets 19 points last night. Um you look at his numbers. I mean, he's 14 to 22 on twos. He's made all eight of his free throws. He's not turning the ball over. He's shooting almost 42% on threes. 
you can skip over to a Trey Galloway, who's kind of in a similar boat in terms of, you know, he scored in double figures in three games. He also missed three games. He was really good against North Carolina. Um, he was kind of a, a, a no-show at Rutgers, 0 for 3, missed both his free throws, no points. Um, but then, you, I mean, I think you're right to bring up Miller Cop, who has, you know, quietly, I mean, Miller Cop only attempted 86 twos all of last season. He's already attempted 19. He shot 34.9% on twos last year. He's shooting 63% on twos this year. We have talked about how basically, you know, all – all offseason, you knew what you had with Trace Jackson Davis. You knew what you had with Xavier Johnson. You knew what you had with Race Thompson, who I'm not even sure has necessarily been playing his best basketball the first month or so of the season. But the question was always the supporting cast. The question was, how deep is the bench? And, and not like, can all these guys score in double figures every night? But do you always have somebody off the bench that's a threat to get you 15 points? And right now the answer is yes. Um, you know, can you hit more threes right now? The answer is, is yes. Indiana is shooting 36% from behind the arc. They have one, two, three, four players that have attempted at least 13, three pointers, which is, you know, about, especially since the one that's attempted 13 is Trey Galloway, which is a little over two attempts per game for him off the bench with his injury, you know, four guys that are shooting at least 40% attempting, you know, maybe somewhere between two and three threes a game. Um, that's good volume. It could be better, but it's good. Um, it just gets back to kind of the idea that the supporting cast is, for the moment anyway, and, and I, I always just say that because, you know, and I understand why IU fans are snake bitten. I mean, like, I've been around. I've been there for all of it. You know, I, I get sort of some of this, like, you don't know how bad it's been. It's like, I promise you, I know how bad it's been. Like, I'm the one that's been getting up at five o'clock in the morning to go catch the flight to New York or to New Jersey to fly into like one of the worst airports in America to to chronicle just how bad it's been at times. Um, so I, I couch all this just by saying, like, I get people who are still skeptical. I get people who who are still sort of pumping the brakes or whatever. Um by and large, though, the Rutgers game accepted and the Rutgers game for the moment allowed insofar as you're not going to win every game. You need to be allowed to play poorly. Um, Indiana has kind of proven through these first nine games what we thought it needed to prove through its first nine or ten games in terms of team makeup, in terms of offensive improvement in terms of the ability to you know multiple guys to make shots in terms of the ability of like can Xavier Johnson sustain his three-point shooting numbers well he's shooting 41 percent you know can Tamar Bates get better yes can Miller Cop keep shooting at volume he shot 39 threes in nine games which is much better volume than he had last year and he's shooting 48.7 percent Indiana is answering all these questions so far now will that be enough against Arizona? Will it be enough against Kansas? Will it be enough to, to put them in contention in Big Ten play? I don't know. I don't know yet. Um, but I know that Indiana is, at very least, right now, answering a lot of the questions I had about it in the preseason. And it's doing so, whether it's away at Xavier, whether it's on a big stage against North Carolina, or even in a game against Nebraska that should have been a lot trickier 
based on Nebraska's profile and where Indiana might have been mentally coming out of the Rutgers game, then Indiana really made it look Wednesday night. Yeah, and you know, that was no different than Rutgers was one of those trap games. You you very much had that on the table last night as well. Um, we've all seen what happens on these midweek games, late tip, uh, dreary weather. Uh, it, it, it can be it can be a mixed bag. Um, I, I think it was noticeable pretty much from the jump. Uh, I felt like they were really keyed in defensively. Um, and I think that's, that's going to have to continue to be uh, this team's hallmark. It's identity, uh, especially as you get into, uh, into these, some of these road games. Fred uh, Hoiberg but, said, just to cut across you very briefly, Fred Hoiberg basically said like Mike Woodson spent two days talking about toughness after the Rutgers game. And, and they, sh- and they, sh- and they showed exactly what you would hope they would show because of it. Like, like the opposing coach was basically just like their coach demanded they be tougher and they were, they were, and you saw it in the, you know, you saw it in the way that they were fighting through screens on the defensive end. You certainly saw it on the, uh, on the glass. Um, and again, that's, there's, there's going to be games where the shots just don't fall. There's going to be games where uh, your stars uh, have off nights. But when you can rebound the ball, when you can defend, uh, you're going to get put yourself in a position to win at the end. And and they did that. And you know, um, I, I felt like though that was that was obvious from from the jump. Now, will they continue to perform? No, they're not going to. Uh, there's going to be you know no different than than Xavier Johnson. I, he's been a remarkable uh, he's been a remarkable case study this year um, for a kid that I, I know a lot of people were ready to discard. Uh, up into the new year last year, really came into his own, particularly in the second half of the Big Ten season. Um, you know, he's had his ups and downs this year. And, and somebody had, had tweeted at me last night, you know, they really wish there'd be a case study in Xavier Johnson. Well, you know, a season and a third into his career at IU, uh, I think it's it's safe to say that his progress isn't always going to be linear. And, and that's okay, uh, so long as it continues on a generally positive arc, which it has so far. And, uh, you know, what I, I think tracks complementarily, that's not even a word. Um, what what tracks alongside that though? We're a new organization, we'll make it a word. We're making stuff up now. No, I think uh what you're seeing though is a basketball team uh that is also tracking similarly where they can absorb uh some off nights, they can absorb, you know, a performance from Trace that doesn't deliver 20 points. Uh, and still make it work and and still do it rather easily. So I, I think that is a huge sign of growth from a game that, you know, I said it last night, I felt like it should have been a 20 point game at half, at least. Uh, I thought the offense was that good that, uh, you know, but for some empty possessions there to, to close the half, uh, Indiana was really, really, you know, never in doubt uh, at any point throughout that game. And then in the second half, what was it? They started off on a, a 6-0 run. Uh, Nebraska did to trim the lead back down to single digits. And again, you saw a team that uh, that didn't really flinch, that got back to business, uh, that dug in on the defensive end and kept the ball moving offensively and stretched it right back out again. So that to me is growth because as we've seen in the past, this team, you know, at times cannot be trusted with a double digit lead. Uh, I understand why folks are on pins and needles uh, up until the final horn. Um, but as we're seeing so far this year, this team's a little more confident, a little bit more assertive, uh, certainly more able to close some of these games out uh, than what they have in the past. It's not always going to be linear, but it continues to progress in the direction you'd hope it would. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would push back a little bit. I, I I think, I mean, is you know, does this team have that sort of killer instinct to deliver kind of the final, the final punch? Maybe not yet. On the other hand, like, you know, that that North Carolina game again. If you look at the win probability graphs, like it was, it was always kind of in Indiana's hands. Again, the Rutgers game is the glaring exception, and, and time will tell whether that is the exception or the rule. Um, that you know, Nebraska last night, yeah, maybe Indiana could have won it by 22 instead of 16. I would point out 16 still comfortably covered the spread, still still comfortably passed what I think Ken Pomeroy had the uh had the spread at. And Indiana literally did not trail for one second. That, that that game was tied for 54 seconds, and Indiana led for 39 minutes and six seconds. And that's on a night where, again, I come back to the idea that, you know, what would have been your big three a year ago, Trace Jackson Davis, Xavier Johnson, and Race Thompson score a combined 25 points. Um, only one of them, you know, I mean, Race had nine and six. We talked about X's tough night. Um, Trace Jackson Davis, we will come on to here in a second. Um, obviously has the triple double, but it's not like he had a, you know, we've, we've seen him have some really dominant games against Nebraska in particular that guys pick up these teams. They struggle to play against, or they enjoy playing against Nebraska has been a, a real sort of friend to Trace Jackson Davis across the course of his career. When you look at some of his numbers against Cornhuskers and last night, he only took six, he only attempted six field goals. Um, And so it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, the answer, the the reality has to lie somewhere in the middle there between sort of no, Indiana didn't just curb stomp Nebraska out of the game, but also Nebraska probably isn't quite as bad as we thought they would be. Right now, their profile looks like a team that is better than what we thought they would be. And Indiana literally never trailed for one tick of the clock in that game. Um, quickly about Xavier Johnson. And then I, I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about, Trace Jackson Davis, because we we can't get out of here without talking about the third triple-double in IU history. Um, I think Xavier Johnson misses Jalen Huchifino. I, I think that's that's a big piece of it. I think more than any other player, you can see him basically just trying too hard. You know, he's he's I think, and, and I think you could see that sometimes last year. And I think that when we you know, we talked about the schematic stuff that really unlocked his best a year ago, and I think maybe we did not necessarily appreciate the the more intangible side of him finding a real comfort level with like, I don't need to force too much. I can just let these things come to me and that'll actually be making a better point guard for this team. I think that enhanced itself even more over the first few games of this season when you would see games where either one or both of Jalen Huchifino would not score and, and Xavier Johnson would not score very much, but between them, they'd always have like 12 rebounds and eight assists you know, and, and only like five turnovers and that kind of thing. And so they developed a real sort of symbiotic relationship at both ends of the floor. I think not just offensively, but, but defensively what Jalen Huchifino could do there. But we don't know when Jalen Huchifino will be back. Um, he has a sore back, sore lower back. That's that's all we've been told. Obviously, we've seen him at games. It's not like he's on crutches or something. Um, I don't know why it would be for a back injury. On the other hand, Back injuries can be tricky, and you know you can find any number of people who will tell you any number of things about what what the back injury, what what his back injury might be. I think it's Mike Woodson. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it is fair to say nobody misses Jalen Hutchinson more than Xavier Johnson right now. You know, and I I think with X, when we talk about trying to find the rhythm, 
that was very much his his time last season was was just trying to figure out exactly what what his tempo had to be um because obviously when he's when he's in attack mode um indiana follows and indiana is a far more dangerous team um last night you got the sense that he's he's aware of it like he he gets it um it's clearly something that he and the coaching staff uh continue to work on um you know i felt like uh usually when when x gets in one of those those slumps those spots uh his ability to just put his head down and get to the rim is often a great way to pull himself out of it and and to snap back into rhythm and last night there are the two questionable charge calls early on um and it just never really clicked from that point forward uh but again you know the the team withstood that just fine uh, I think for Indiana to be its best, X has got to figure out a way how to continue to push uh, and, and literally just play on that razor's edge uh, because obviously the turnover number last night uh, is not going to cut it in, in, in most games. Uh, I believe X had seven turnovers on the night. Um, not fatal, but certainly not a direction you want to see the uh, you know your point guard going in. Now, that said, he's not your primary point guard. Um, I thought Trey, uh, Trey Galloway did a phenomenal job when uh, Woody was searching for a, a backup uh, in order to uh, to bring the ball up and get the offense started. And, you know, perhaps that's something that you'll see them continue to tinker with a little bit more uh, as Sochefino remains unavailable, if he continues to remain unavailable for that matter, or just through some of the sub patterns. But it's certainly something to watch. Uh, but I'm certainly not sounding the alarms yet on X because we saw this last December and, you know, come February, he was arguably the second most important player on the team. And my hunch is you're going to see him get back there. But, you know, with so many new pieces uh, in the mix, X continues to be the straw that's going to have to stir it. And, you know, with with the different roster or, or uh, lineup combinations that we're seeing either by choice or by circumstance, that's going to continue to be something that, that probably is going to be in flux and it's going to take some time to figure out. Um I'm looking for X to have a, a huge game this weekend, though, if we're being totally honest, because I think this is going to be one of those classic uh, inside-out games from both teams. They're both extraordinarily effective scoring inside, uh, and they've got some guys that can light it up on the outside. So um, this seems like one of those games where the tempo is going to favor X. Uh, Xavier, or not Xavier, excuse me. Arizona is going to push it probably as fast as anybody we've played this season or maybe will all season. And, uh, you know, that's – buckle up because that's when the ride really begins with Xavier Johnson. Transitioning into Xavier while also talking about Trace Jackson Davis. Um, you know, I, I don't think we need to like overdo the superlatives. Like I think everybody kind of understands when it's the third, third triple double in program history, that's pretty remarkable. I also thought the, um, the, the, the word from Optostats last night that um, this is the first time a division one men's player has posted a points, assists, rebounds, triple double with as with three or more blocks and three or more steals as well. Since Luke Walton did it in 2002. Um, I mean, Trace Jackson Davis was not far from a five by five, which is incredibly rare. Um, obviously it speaks to his growth. I mean, it's, it speaks to his growth as a player. It speaks to the growth of the team around him. Um, you know, Nebraska tried to do basically what Rutgers tried to do, collapse the two, three in on him, you know, bring two on the trap with like another basically waiting in the post and just force Indiana to shoot out of it. And they did. And and I think that's 
I think that is valuable insofar as when you're going into these next two games, Arizona and Kansas, you know, Rutgers, it's easy to say, it's it's simplistic to say Rutgers sort of put the the formula on tape of how to beat Indiana. You you get somebody to shoot six of 25 from three on the road. Like, hey, that's how you beat that. That's how you beat almost any team, especially when you couple that to the rebounding number. Um, But for Indiana to turn around and put this performance on tape right before Arizona and right before Rutgers to say, actually, if you bend your whole game plan towards stopping this all-American big man and you're able to keep the the all-big 10-caliber point guard in check and the guy who was your third leading scorer a year ago doesn't go off for, you know, 20 and 10 because there's all this room the you know vacated by Trace Jackson Davis's defensive attention. Well, all that happens is three other guys score somewhere between 13 and 20 points and hit a bunch of threes, pull down some rebounds, control the game, etc. You know, I'm not guaranteeing Indiana's going to win against Arizona or Kansas, but what I would say is, you know, the nature of how Trace Jackson Davis got that triple double is a really important rebuttal at a really important time um, sort of for Indiana to put it back on tape to say, like, you know, don't think you can just sell out for these one or two defensive principles because Indiana actually can hurt you in a lot of different ways. You know, this is a kid that's double doubles for Trace have become so routine that you, you you can barely keep count of them, quite honestly. It's just what we've come to expect from Trace. Uh, the difference last night was obviously the assist. And it, I, I think for as much attention as he was drawing defensively, as much as they were trapping and collapsing on him, um, I, I think it was it was remarkable. I mean, the team only had 22 assists on the night, and, and Trace had almost half of them. He had 10. Um, his ability to find... Uh, the open guy to anticipate where the pressure is coming from and where the release is going to be. Um, you talk about, you know, the legacy that Trace is leaving, the reason why he came back here, the reason why he chose here for that matter. Um, that is a huge cog in that wheel, I think, for him uh, to be a facilitator as well as, you know, the uh, the number one offensive option. I think when if he can continue to play, you know, obviously you're not going to have a triple double every night. You probably go your whole career and never have one. Uh, all but two other IU players can have that same claim. Um, I, I think what stood out though was just how effective uh, he was. Now it was also kind of a blessing that they stumbled a little bit late, uh, where Woody had to put all the starters back in and really cement the thing, uh, giving him those additional minutes. What, what it was normally- deeply amusing. Like you could have been hanging on to Xavier Johnson by the shoulders and that corner three was still going up at the end of the game. Like they were hell bent on getting him that 10th assist. And you love to see that too. And, you know, I think that was, that was one of the, the way the entire team celebrated it with him. Um, it's, it's great, but you know, it, it was only possible because one, he was able to spot uh, where the ball needed to move out of the double, but also those guys stepped up and did their job and knocked down the shots. 
uh, when he got the ball to him. And I, I think that's, that's invaluable for a team. I said it last night. It's, it, it's not a bounce back. It was a phenomenal tune up uh, for the two tests that lie ahead of him here before we get to the holidays. And, uh, and then right around the corner, big 10 season begins in earnest. And uh, we see just how, uh, how demanding this grind is going to be for the Hoosiers this year. Very quickly, Arizona, um, we've got about three minutes left. Um, just kind of give you a snapshot of their statistical profile. I think coming out of Maui, we all thought maybe they were like the best team in the country. Then they turn around and laid an egg at Utah, lost by 15. Um, they haven't, they will not have played in six days. They beat California at home by 13 last Sunday. It was a, a pretty one-sided game, but California may be the worst high major team in the country this year. Um, it's either California or Louisville. So, only winning by 13 is not super impressive. Like, go look at California. They are 0-10, and it is an emphatic 0-10. Uh, they just lost to Eastern Washington at home. Indiana fans will remember how that feels. Um, Arizona's really, really good offensively. They're number two in adjusted efficiency, number one in effective field goal percentage. Interestingly, I think one of the, the, the big things that pops off the page, they're not a great rebounding team, but they are number one in the country in two-point percentage, which – uh, obviously, Indiana is very good scoring on twos, but more than that, Indiana is very good defensively defending twos. Right now, Indiana's opponents are shooting just 42.3% on twos, which is 19th best in the country. Arizona's weaknesses, they will turn the ball over. Uh, they do not turn opponents over very much. They're pretty good defending the two, but they are not at all good defending the three. Um, they are only 64th nationally in adjusted defense. They kind of have, and this is an overarching statistical profile, not a player-by-player player thing. They remind you a little bit of what Xavier looks like from, from an Indiana perspective insofar as very good offensively, play even faster than Xavier. They're probably even more efficient offensively than Xavier. Um, there are some defensive holes there, and that is probably why Ken Pomeroy has Indiana as a one-point favorite. Now, Indiana – Pomeroy's got Indiana with a 55% chance of victory. That is essentially a coin toss. Um, it's got Indiana with a 55% chance of winning 80 to 79. That is basically a coin flip. But, and I'll give you about 30 seconds here, Chronic, to finish up. Um, this maybe isn't the, the monster game we thought it would be. It is a great test, I think, for Indiana of just how good this defense is against a team that can be hyper-efficient and hyper effective playing very fast offensively. I think this is going to come down to uh, which team wants to play more aggressively. Uh, you have some similar profiles and how they want to run their offense. Um, I think this is one of those games where the officiating uh, is going to possibly turn the tides based on how it's called, how it affects availability, uh, who's able to capitalize from the free throw line. Uh, and I felt like last night that was one area where Indiana excelled is in reading how the game was being called and playing accordingly. And uh, I, I, I still think this is going to be one of the marquee matchups of the year for Indiana for college basketball. And I cannot wait. Let's go. Should be fun. Uh, Vegas, 4.30 p.m. local, 7.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern. Um, that game, I will get it for you ever so quickly here as we wrap up. That game will be on Fox. Um, thank you so much for, is it, well, ignore me. It may be at 1030 PM Eastern. Ignore me. Uh, the game is on Fox one way or another. We'll be just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of, uh, human remains that are left. 
Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.